Hello and welcome to The Lone Ranger from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Horse with the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty high silver, the Lone Ranger. With his faithful Indian companion, Tonto, the daring and resourceful masked rider of the plains led the fight for law and order in the early western United States. Nowhere in the pages of history can one find a greater champion of justice. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. From out of the past come the thundering hoofbeats of the great horse, Silver. The Lone Ranger rides again. Come on, Silver. Let's go, Rico. I'll Silver. During the construction of the Union Pacific Railroad, there had been one obstacle after another to overcome. Setbacks and accidents increased as the crews in charge of laying track moved westward. When the end of track was near Cheyenne, Wyoming, the Lone Ranger helped Jim Powell, the engineer in charge, expose a plot against the builders of the railroad. And I want you to know that I speak for Major General Dodge as well as myself when I say that we're everlastingly grateful to you. I'm sure my daughter feels the same. Dad, you know I do. If it hadn't been for this masked man, Bill McGuire would have been held for murder. And I'd have lost the best foreman I ever had. Oh, please, Powell. I didn't stop at your house to receive thanks. But you can't brush aside what you've done. Won't you sit down and have some breakfast with us? Oh, no, thanks, Mary. I'm on my way to meet Tonto in camp. I stopped to ask if the men in jail have had anything to say. Marker and Rocky? Yes. Not yet. 
The sheriff's going to question them again this morning. Some group has put up considerable money to make trouble. But what group? We don't know. There was a lot of opposition in Congress before the railroad bill was passed. Yes, and a lot of the ranchers are opposed to the railroad. If we could only find out who hired Marker and his pal. Well, perhaps you will. Those two are slated to hang. They might tell all they know in the hope of getting a prison term instead. Let us hope so. Oh, uh, who'll attend the meeting? Uh, Bill McGuire, my foreman, will be there with me. Also the sheriff. No one else? Uh, A lawyer by the name of Greg. Jeremiah Greg. A lawyer? Yes. Is he to represent Marker and Rocky? Oh, no. He simply volunteered his services to the sheriff. Thought he might be able to help. Dad, it's nine o'clock. Great, Scott. I've got to get over to the sheriff's office. All right. I'll see you later. Howdy. I'm sorry I'm late. That's all right. McGuire and I have been questioning those two. Boss, you don't know Mr. Gregg. Shake hands with my boss, Mr. Gregg. Mr. Powell, eh? That. Right glad to know you. The same here. They tell me you're a lawyer, Gregg. That's right. Uh, Gregg has been explaining to Rocky and Marker that they'll hang as sure as shooting unless they go on the side of the law and help us get the polecat that hired them to direct the trains. We got nothing to say. Rocky's right. We'll take our chances. You'll hang if you don't talk. That's what'll happen to him. Of course, we can give them no assurance that they'll not hang, even though they do turn state's evidence. Who can't? None of us can speak for the law. Well, I can, and I will. I've got some weight around here. And I'll throw every ounce of it into getting those men a jail turn instead of a hangman's rope. Now, now, Mr. Powell, you know very well... Rig, are you here to help or hinder us? To help, of course. My services are entirely voluntary. Yes, you're the one they call Rocky, right? Right. What's it to you? You and Marker were cut hands down. We've got evidence to prove you're both guilty of murder. Now, that's hanging evidence, and you know it. Well, be smart. Save your necks and talk. Who hired you? You crooks can take my word for it. Powell knows what he's talking about. <clears throat> of course, gentlemen, life in prison is not much better than hanging. Greg, you shut up. I was merely going to observe that these men may refuse to talk because they they feel confident that the man or men who hired them will see that they're broken out of prison if they remain loyal. They don't stand a chance. Are you going to talk or not? You know the answer to that, Powell. We... Oh! Oh! <clears throat> Sheriff, I... I don't feel so good. I... What's the matter with you, hey, Rocky? Uh, what's ailing you? Look at him. He's going white as a sheet. I, I don't know. I... Sheriff, I... I feel something's wrong. He's sick. Yeah. <coughs> I don't feel right either. <coughs> Sheriff, something's wrong with me. Things are going in circles. Get some water. Right. Rocky, Marker, you're both sick. Look at them. Oh, the room's going around. I, I can't see straight. I... I'm ailing. Sheriff, hurry with that water. Someone go uh, for the doctor. I'll go. I'll go get him. Powell, see what you do for Rocky. Right. Oh. Take it easy. Oh. I'll have the water in a second. Here, Marker, I'll help you. Lean on oh, me. Poison, that's it. Poison. But breakfast this morning. Bad taste. Kitty, don't try to talk. You, Greg. You poison. Sheriff, the water. There it is. It's too late for Rocky. He's dead. Greg, how about that one? How about Marker? 
Sheriff, I'm afraid he's dead, too. The morning was well advanced when Jeremiah Gregg, the lawyer, came to the end of track where Jim Powell supervised the big job. Hey there, Gregg. What are you doing here? My doctor just finished his examination. I thought I'd bring you the report on those prisoners. Poisoned? Yes. Oh. No one knows. The doctor thinks someone put poison in their breakfast. Does the sheriff have any idea who? No, the breakfast was brought over from the sheriff's house and left on his desk. It was there for half an hour before it was taken to the prisoners. Anyone could have stepped into the office and poisoned it. No chance of finding the critter, eh? The sheriff says no. He was in and out of his office all morning. He doesn't know who could have been there. Hmm. Well, there's one thing sure... The old cat that hired those two is still around town. That's obvious. Hi, boss! Hey, has McGuire been out for a ride? He's been looking over the job up ahead. Oh, oh, oh! I wanted to speak to you about that. Yeah? I, uh, had a... Hey, boss! Uh, just a minute, Greg, and let's see what McGuire wants. Yeah, no. How does everything look, Bill? Yeah, we're going to need more tires pretty quick, boss. I'm expecting another load when the supply train comes in tomorrow. They get on the telegraph and check to make sure they'll be here, boss. Ties are your problem, aren't they? You're doggone right. The entire job of building a railroad will take over six million ties. And they've got to be brought in from Omaha. From Omaha? Why, how's that? Well, there's nothing but soft cottonwood around here, not much of that. Powell, perhaps I can help. You? Yes. You see, I know some friendly Indians. Friendly Indians? <laughs> oh, there are some friendly ones. I think you could trade with them. I'd sure like to get into trading with the Indians. It'd help a lot if we'd get friendly with them. So to be on our side, wouldn't it, Bill? It sure would, boy. Fine, splendid. I know some Indians north of here. Chief Red Eagle. Giants? Yes, but as I say, they're friendly. And I happen to know that they have a supply of heavy timbers that you could use as ties. Where did they get them? Well, you can thank me for that. You? Yes. The last time I was talking to Red Eagle, I suggested that his people cut a stand of timber in their valley and uh, sort of trim it to size in the hope of trading with you. My thunder, Greg, maybe you're all right. <laughs> thank you, McGuire. Of course, I don't know how much of a supply Red Eagle's people have on hand, but if they see you are willing to trade, they might be of considerable help. What if we get to trade with? They can't use money. And we can't give them liquor. Rifles. Uh, what? Rifles? Are you out of your mind? Now, oh, calm down. The Indians are bad enough with tomahawks and bows and arrows. Let them get their hands on rifles and we'll be licked. Oh, old rifles, my friend. Old rifles that are worthless. Rifles that are without ammunition. I'm sure you can get together 15 or 20 old flintlocks... The Indians would never know the difference. They'd know they couldn't fire them. Just leave that to me. Right now, the Indians have profound respect for your rifles. They do anything to get some. Let them have some useless ones. And I'll talk to Red Eagle and explain that they're not Indian weapons. That they are good medicine only when the white men use them. Your next trade can consist of blankets and food. Perhaps horses. And of course, if you bring a shipment of corn from the east, the Indians would be delighted. Boss, it's worth a try. I know where I can pick up four or five old flintlocks. Go ahead, Greg. 
You torture it again. And you get rifles together? Yeah. Uh, get them in a case, a wooden case, and have them ready. Later in the day, when the Lone Ranger talked to Paul and heard the latest developments. So that's the deal. Greg told you Red Eagle was friendly? Yes. I see. You know this country better than any man. What do you think about it? I don't know what to think. Shall I go ahead? Yes. Get the old flint locks without ammunition and have them ready. We'll see what happens. Stay there, Silver. Easy, big fellow. Where are you going now? Back to camp. I want to see what Toto thinks. Come on, Silver. dangerous, Toto. We've got to know the facts. Well, let me start right away. You know where to find Red Eagle? Me find him. Get cinched tight and let me go. The last I heard of Red Eagle, he had a war party of over 200 Indians made up of renegades from all parts of this area. That right. Become one of them. Keep in touch with me. You know where to meet me. Uh, no. Good luck to you, Toto. Get him off the scout. Tonto rode away from the Lone Ranger's camp near the end of track. But he was not the only one that left the community that day. Jeremiah Gregg disappeared soon after noon and rode north for the better part of an hour to meet a man who waited in a solitary camp. Oh! oh, oh. Hi, Mr. Gregg. Waiting for Steady. Slim, I'm ready to use you and that wagon load of ties you brought. Good. I'm going to use both you and the Indians. Now listen. Jim Powell thinks the Indians have cut some railroad ties. He thinks Red Eagle's men are friendly. Friendly? <laughs> you go talk to Red Eagle. Tell him to meet Powell and take along a wagon load of ties as samples. He can offer Powell a whole lot of ties, for which Powell will give a case of rifles. Powell's giving away rifles? He loco? Useless old flintlocks. But I'll arrange a switch. Red Eagle will actually get the newest army carbines. Yeah, but, uh, where's Red Eagle to get the rest of the railroad ties he's supposed to deliver? From the supply train that's coming from the east. Oh, yeah. He can stop the train at Carson's Bend. And he'll have rifles for the attack. Yeah, it's pretty smart. Now, you make Red Eagle think there'll be more rifles when he shows that he can deliver the goods. He robbed the train to get the ties. Yeah, that should start trouble. It'll wipe out the Union Pacific outfit. Powell himself said that if those Indians had rifles... They'd be invincible. Well, we'll see that they have rifles. The rest is up to you. The curtain falls on the first act of our Lone Ranger story. Before the next exciting scenes, please permit us to pause for just a few moments.
to continue our story, Jim Powell and Bill McGuire spent the afternoon canvassing the people of the community and buying from them old flintlock rifles. They acquired nearly two dozen of the weapons and brought them to the caboose of the work train. I fixed this one so it will never be fired again. How about that one, Bill? I'll have this sort of be out of commission in just a minute, boss. There. That does it. I'll bet some of these rifles were used in the Revolution. I wouldn't say that, Mary, but some are mighty old. Won't those Indians be angry when they learn they can't fire the rifles? Greg said he can handle that angle. Here's hoping. Well, his idea's worth trying, anyway. We're not going to need ties that bad, boss. They're shipping plenty of them from Omaha. It's not the ties so much, Bill, as the idea of making friends with the Indians. I'd like to establish trade with them. It might end all our troubles. Now, let's get that rifle case, huh? All right. Here it is. Put these old flintlocks in there, and we'll close it up and have it ready for Red Eagle when he comes with the ties. All right. Dad, what about those new rifles that you took out of the box? I'll keep them here in the caboose until they're needed. Some of the boys can use new rifles. I've been promised a lot of them. You have? Yes. General Stevenson over at Fort Russell said he'd see that we got some. Ah, that'll be great, boss. The case of rifles was made ready and left on the floor of the caboose, while the new rifles that had been taken from the case were put into a locker. Then Jim Powell and his daughter took Bill McGuire to their house for supper. They little supposed that Union Pacific's most formidable enemy in the person of Jeremiah Gregg was waiting nearby. He sneaked into the caboose and quickly threw back the lid of the rifle case. It took but a few moments to restore the army carbines to the chest and throw the useless rifles into the locker. There, that does it. Now the ammunition. With the rifles, the scheming lawyer put many rounds of ammunition, then closed the lid of the chest and went away. was after dark when the lone ranger waiting in his small camp near the end of track heard the familiar hoofbeats of Tonto's paint horse scout. Oh, he's riding hard. Hello there, Silver. Tonto must have some information for me. Horse scout, oh, father. Oh, father. Oh. What is it, Tonto? There are plenty of trouble coming. I'm ready, go. That's right. Go ahead and talk, Tonto. I'll saddle up. You say Indian got timber for railroad, eh? That's what Powell understood, Steady Silver. And that's not true. No. White man come into Cheyenne Village. Him got big wagon and heavy load of timber. A white man? That's right. Timber cut for railroad ties. Him talk to Red Eagle plenty long. Tell Red Eagle him get good rifle. Red Eagle isn't supposed to know the difference between good rifles and old flintlocks. You know the name of the white man? Ah. Him named Slim Northcott. Northcott. Never heard of him, Steady Boy. Well, him got good rifle... New rifle. And him show Red Eagle how to use it. He did? That's right. Red Eagle show many other Indian. Then Slim tell Red Eagle, train from Omaha come tomorrow. I see. Him say Indians stop train, get plenty heavy timber, trade for more rifles. There we are. Silver's already. We better go and see Powell and find out more about this deal. Come on, Toto. City big fellow. Get him up. Come on, Silver. In the meantime,
meantime, the arrival of a number of Indians with their chief attracted many people to the end of track where several bonfires had been lighted. Red Eagle brought with him a wagon loaded with heavy timbers that might be used for ties. It was a friendly meeting between Jim Powell and his crew on one hand and Red Eagle and his followers on the other. The ties were stacked beside the track and the case of rifles moved from the caboose to the wagon. As the Indians departed, Powell gripped the hand of Jeremiah Gregg. Gregg, it worked out just like you said. Good work. Well, thank you, Powell. Thank you. I want to shake your hand, too, Gregg. I've got to admit I didn't like you at first, but you just arranged a first-class deal. <laughs> Thanks, McGuire. Wouldn't it be splendid if we could be friendly with all the Indians? This may be the start of a better understanding. I'm just wondering, Greg, if those redskins will be satisfied when they find they've got rifles that can't be fired. You leave that to me, McGuire. I'll talk to them. What's that? That sounds like a new carbine. It is a new carbine. Look over there. Look at the flashes. It's the Indians. It can't be the Indians. They've got no rifles. We just gave them some. But those rifles can't be fired. Bill, did we make sure not... Hey, where'd Bill go? He's in there, Dad. He just went into the caboose. Those redskins are keeping it up. What are they shooting at? I can see the flashes, boss. They're firing into the air. Hey, boss. Look at this, boss. Look at what I found. The old flintlocks are in the caboose. The new carbines are gone. Someone switched rifles and the Indians got the new carbines. As the Lone Ranger and Tonto reined up, the distant rifle fire subsided, but the agitation of the crowd increased. Bill stood at the door of the caboose, waving an ancient flintlock and shouting, Someone double-crossed us! Someone took these out of the case and put the new carbines back in! It took but an instant for the masked man to grasp the situation. He leaped from the saddle and hit the ground running. A few fast strides brought him to the side of Jeremiah Gregg. I want you, Gregg. Oh, let me go. Let me go, do you hear? Get into that caboose. You too, pal. We'll find out about this. Make this masked man let me go. Boys, this masked man's an outlaw. Masked man's all right, Greg. You'll do as he says. Get up those steps. Get into that car. You can't. All right, in you go. What's that? Why you got Greg? Learn what he knows. Close that door. Right. Now, Greg, start talking. I don't know what you mean. You lied when you said the Indians had timber. They got that timber from a white man. White man? What's that? Slim Northcott met Red Eagle. You lied, Greg. What's behind it? I... Who switched rifles? Oh, let me go. You can't do this to me. Who switched rifles? Hey, look at Greg's face. Darned if he don't look like... you? No, no, I... The truth, Greg. While you're at it, tell all you know about the plan to attack the supply train. Attack the supply train? Where? When? Tomorrow at Carson's Bend. Oh, oh, open the door. I'm in. What is it? Engines. Stick your head out and you'll hear them. They're going on the warpath. They'll be riding for the bend. There won't be more than four or five men on that supply train. You better get the crew together and head east. Boss, we'd better. Put ropes on Greg. We'll deal with him later. No, no. You heard what the boss said. How'd get things organized? Hey, boy. Those redskins are heading for Carson's Bend to waylay the supply train. We're going to help fight them off. Find the fire, boy. Tell them to stoke up the galloper. Hook in a couple of flats for those that can't crowd into this buggy. Here's the diamond cracker. Good. Fog up right away. We're heading east as fast as possible. As fast as possible, a train was made up and the locomotive fired. Every available man climbed on board. In the caboose, Jeremiah Gregg lay tightly bound. The Lone Ranger and Tonto stood beside their horses watching as the train got underway. Tonto, those men won't have a chance against Red Eagle. Mm, that's right. 
Jackson got close to 200 Indians. It would be an uneven battle, even though the Indians didn't have any rifles. That's right. Well, there they go. Otto, we're riding southeast. That's where Fort Russell is. General Stevenson's our only hope. Steady, big fella. Easy a minute. One silver. Get him up. It was early morning when the supply train from Omaha reached Carson's Bend. The men in the cab saw the rails blocked and 50 men waiting next to the track. What's the matter, boss? What happened? Jim Powell stepped forward, but before he could speak, war cries broke out to the north. That saves me telling you. Look over there. Redskins. They're coming this way fast. Break out the rifles, men. Open fire as soon as they're in range. Riding in a circle around us. And making it smaller all the time. Our ammunition won't hold out long. They've got us. We're outnumbered about five to one. Keep firing, boys. Maybe they'll lick us. We've got to know they were in a fight. Aim for the ones that have got the rifles. A number of the trainmen had fallen, and so had a lot of Indians. But ammunition was running low. Jim Powell knew that it was just a matter of time. He knew that his valiant little band could not hope to drive off the savage Cheyennes. The rifle fire diminished. I'm out of cartridges. Anyone got extra cartridges? It'll be hand-to-hand in a few minutes, boys. Use your rifles as clubs. Here they come. They're charging straight at us. Now it'll be hand-to-hand. Stand ready. Here they come. At closer range, the Indians used bows and arrows with telling effect. Over half of the men of the Union Pacific had fallen with wounds, and many of those who remained standing had been scratched by arrows. And then a bugle sounded to the south. The fighting men were too absorbed to hear the clear tones that rang out across the plain. Hey, boys! Boys, look to the south! Soldiers! Look out, I'm come! And look who's riding in the lead! The masked man! He's the one that brought him. Boys, we've got a chance. Half a minute more and the army will be here to take over. Half a minute, nothing, boss! They've already opened fire. That does it, boys. That does it. Those redskins are turning out. <laughs> Look at them, boys. Look at them travel. Coyotes to save their lives. <laughs> We're ready to start back to the end of track, but before we go... Please, uh, please, pal. No, thanks. But if you hadn't brought the army... Every one of us wants to do all he can to help you and the Union Pacific push through to California. Will you ride back to the end of track with us? Otto and I will ride our horses. We'll meet you there. Come on, Otto. Come on, Otto. Come. Come. David Powell. Hey, boss. What is it, Bill? It's about Jeremiah Gregg. The Lone Ranger is going to ask us, uh, help us question him when we get back to the end of track. No, boss. No one's going to question Gregg. Those new carbines have mighty high power. What do you mean, Basil? One of the bullets went clean through the side of the caboose to get Greg. He's dead? Just as dead as Rocky and Marker. That masked man counted on getting a lot of information out of Jeremiah, Greg. His death is going to make things a whole lot harder for the Lone Ranger.
This is a copyrighted feature originated by George W. Trendle and written by Fran Stryker. The part of the Lone Ranger was played by Brace Beamer. <laughs> <laughs>